soul. We believe you are God and in control. Welcome to the Worship Generation Radio Ministry with Pastor Joey Bram, a ministry of Worship Generation Church located in Fountain Valley, California. For more information, please visit us at www.worshipgeneration.com. We believe in the power of the gospel. We believe you can transform every soul. We believe you're the Savior. Now let's join Pastor Joey as we study through the Bible. Let the nations be glad, all his saints rejoice. And we read this, chapter 18, verse 9, we read, The Lord and the angels, then they said to him, Abraham, where is Sarah, your wife? So he said, here in the tent. And he, that is the Lord, said, I will certainly return to you according to the time of life. And behold, Sarah, your wife, shall have a son. Sarah was listening in the tent door, which was behind him. Now Abraham and Sarah were old, well advanced in age, Sarah had passed the age of childbearing. Therefore, Sarah laughed within herself, saying, After I've grown old, shall I have pleasure with my Lord being old also? And the Lord said to Abraham, Why did Sarah laugh, saying, Shall I surely bear a child since I am old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? At the appointed time, I will return to you according to the time of life, and Sarah shall have a son. But Sarah denied it, saying, I did not laugh, for she was afraid. And he, that is the Lord, said, No, but you did laugh. And it says that she laughed within herself, which is interesting because we know in the New Testament when Jesus is in groups and talking with people and whatnot, he could perceive the thoughts and tents of their hearts and he would address them. Why do you say in your heart, which is easier to say, be forgiven or arise and take up your bed and walk? So I just like that little connection there. And so as we go forward here, This verse stands out, verse 13, excuse me, verse 14. Is anything too hard for the Lord? What an amazing verse. I mean, when you consider what you want to focus on as a topical, it's just, it's hard to get past this. Is anything too hard for the Lord? This is the question we ask ourselves tonight in our faith in Jesus Christ. Of all the promises God has promised to us in Jesus Christ universally that we've been talking about for believers in Christ, Things that he's affirmed to our hearts as we seek him and as he's working in our life because he knows the hairs on our head personally is anything too hard for the Lord. And when we think about God being all powerful, the final authority, when he gave the great commission, he said, all authority has been given to me in heaven on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. And we would say, is anything too hard for the Lord? God is all powerful, all knowing and omnipresent and He can do what he wants to do and who has resisted his will and prospered, as the Bible says. His will is perfect. His power knows no limit. But of course, we know whatever he does, it's consistent with his character. So he's not going to do anything contrary to his character. God is light and him is no darkness at all. So morally, he's not going to use his power for evil like Satan would or fallen angels. He's going to use his power consistent with his perfect will outside of our dimension for good because all things work together for good to those who love God and are called according to his purpose. And will not the Lord of all the earth do right? And even in the next chapter, 
or excuse me, later on in this chapter, when Abraham's pleading with God for Sodom and Gomorrah, he said, far be it from you to judge the righteous with the wicked. See, God is good and he doesn't muddle things and things don't get ambiguous with the Lord. That's why Romans declares that God be true of man a liar, because his word stands and it's consistent with his character. In fact, there in Isaiah 55, to the prophet Isaiah, God said, as the heavens are above the earth, so are my thoughts and ways above you. But in all that's above our ways is anything too hard for the Lord. Whatever he does, it's good morally. It's good eternally. It's good personally for eternal character. And it's consistent with who he is. Is anything too hard for the Lord? We need to put that over all the things in our life that come our way where we go, why? Really? Are you kidding me? Right. Is anything too hard for the Lord? And whatever he doesn't do that we think maybe in our life, in our worldview, if we were running the universe, he should do. If he doesn't do it, it's not because he can't do it. It's because it's not part of the plan that he's created you for. Just like when Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego, when they were thrown in the fiery furnace, when they refused to bow the knee to Nebuchadnezzar and his false gods and his idol, they said, God is able to deliver us from your hand. But even if he doesn't know this, we will not bow down to you. So that's great faith because they're saying our God's able, but if this is the end, this is the end. It's like Esther when she said, everyone pray and fast. And if I live, I live. If I die, I die. But I'm going into the king. Is anything too hard for the Lord? We are to be women and men of faith. Is anything too hard for the Lord? So as we think about this and we look at this text, Sarah is our feature presentation tonight. We look at Sarah, that matriarch of the faith, there in Hebrews 11, looking back on her life, on this event where she laughs within her heart, the Lord knows it and quotes what she laughed and thought within her heart. And there's no resolution to it. She says, I didn't. No, but you did. And that's all we get from this. But then in Hebrews 11, we're told that she judged him faithful, kind of faithful, who promised it. So even though she laughed, she still had faith. And I've been saying this the last few weeks. It's encouraging because we're told in Timothy that, you know, even if we lack faith, he still remains faithful. Isn't that good to know? Like we might waver in our faith, but he remains faithful. Just because we waver in our faith doesn't mean he wavers in his faithfulness to us in our faith in him. He's holding our hands more than we're holding his is the best way to put it. So as we think about is anything too hard for the Lord and we look at Sarah and what God was working in her life, because God reaffirmed the promises to Sarah last chapter two, last week. In verse 10, he says, the Lord, I will certainly return to you according to the time of life and behold, Sarah, your wife shall have a son. Let's think about this. This incredible journey with Abram and Sarai before they were called Abram and Sarah. Before Sarai, little princess, my little princess was what it means. Daddy called her that 90 years before when she was born. She was daddy's girl, my little princess, Sarai. And now Sarah means mother of nations. 
before that name change, decades prior, and we've been talking about this, when they left Ur the Chaldeans, she was young, she was beautiful, and she was barren. And God promised her husband, who she was under his authority and guidance and all that, God promised her husband, Abram at the time, before his name meant father of nations, father of a multitude, Abraham, that from him would come a nation. That's how the promise started, a nation, a nation. Genesis 12, verses 1 through 3, a nation. Then we saw in the promised land when God said, walk this land and the soil, the dust, if you could count all the dust, your descendants would be more than that if you could count it. He gave him the terrestrial example. So not just a nation, offspring like the sand you're walking on, the soil. Then we saw progressively where he showed him the stars and said, your descendants will be more than the stars of the heavens if you could count them. Then we saw last week in the full quantum magnification of the promises to Abraham, God says, many nations and kings. So we talked about the progression of the promises while yet decades later, nothing has changed. They've gotten, you look in the mirror, they've gotten older. And you people that are my age, 50s, you look in the mirror, you've gotten older. It hurts when you first realize, I look older. You, you work through it. You know what I'm saying? I get a witness. Like, you're like, you know, I still look pretty young. Like, you know, we eat well, we do well, you know, stretch. The back hurts most of the time. But, you know, we're looking pretty good. And you're like, no. You see a photo, you're like, my neck looks wrinkly in the photo. Right? Yeah, yeah, you people that are in your 50s, you be like, you know, as you kind of turn like, well, it looks kind of wrinkly. Like, how did, when did that happen? I didn't even notice that. And you get older and you start to look older. Well, back in the time of Sarah and Abram, they had reflections. And the promise has not come to pass. And as Sarah would look in the reflection of a, whatever she would look at that would give her a reflection, she's like, truth be told, I'm looking older. And Abram's like, hey, you're looking pretty good for 90, you know? Like, I mean, you're a looker at 90. I'd still lie about you if I felt my life was threatened. And he did after the fact. Not, nothing has happened. There's no conception. We talked about this the last couple weeks. There's no conception. There's no baby on the way. There's no birth notice. You know when people send out like, baby on the way. We're not going to the party store to buy the sign. It's a boy and put it in the front yard. I don't even know they do that anymore, but we sure did that in the 90s. That was fun stuff. It's a girl, right? That's what we did in the 90s. I don't know what millennials do, but um, I haven't seen those signs for a long time, but they work. That's pretty cool. No one's out there buying a sign the ba- like the baby's on the way. Nothing has happened. We've talked about this. For decades, nothing has happened to visibly see the proof of that promise made even when they left Ur the Chaldeans. So they've been on a decades-long journey, at least 25 years, believing in this promise, a nation, all the sand, all the stars, nations, kings, and still nothing. And look where it goes full cycle here. So when the Lord comes to Sarah 
Look what it comes back to. This, these great, God's like opening this panoramic, like a kadotoscope, where you see, when you're a kid, you see all these things opening up. He's all the promises, nations. If you could see all that multitude of nations and all these things in the gospel and Revelation 5, it's all connected to Abraham and Sarah. And if you could just see it, and I've declared it all to you, it's like, it's like warp speed out there in the, in the farthest reaches of the galaxy. And then God brings it all back to like, to the most basic, simple promise. You can have a baby. He brings it back to, he took the promise all the way out to nations and kings and more than the stars. And you know, that's great. And there are incredible promises. This mortal will put on immortality. This corrupt will put on incorruptibility. We'll be raised from the dead with the trumpet of sound. But right now, I need money for the rent. Right now, i got to make payment on this. Right now, I've got to go to the doctor and they're doing a follow-up test from this test. So I'm, I'm like stoked about that glorified body, but right now I'm worried about this temporal body. You see, that's like the promise of God. They go out, expand so far with so much hope for us. But in the day-to-day life of being human beings in our generation, sometimes we just need a $170 check in the mail. And you know the story when I was in Vermont, working room service. We, were, we had no options. We were just completely living by faith, that small church in the O'Connor Lodge, and I'd go to work at the Sheraton Hotel. And we needed more than $100. We were desperate. We were desperate to buy food and gas. And like George Mueller and Hudson Taylor, we had purpose not to take those needs to man, but the Lord would provide. And I was working the assist person in room service. So the deliverer gets more tips, but the person that prepares the food gets less. And those tips meant everything. And those who've worked in the food sector, you understand how that works, how tips work too. That's why I'm a big tipper. Even for bad service, I'll tip you really well, just because I want to sow bountifully. But I went home with $17. And all the way home down that hill, looking at Lake Champlain in a cold, dark, stick-brown winter where it's light for six hours, and driving there on North Burlington Road home, I'm complaining about, God, I can't believe this. You brought me here to this end of the world. I put in eight hours, and I'm going home with $17. I've got a family to feed, and all those things. And I can remember if I said it out loud or murmured it in my heart. And I got home, and there in the mail was a check from someone I never knew, never received money from again. I don't even know how it got there for $170. And I had that kind of smart aleck, former pro surfer attitude where I said, well, at least you're 10 times bigger than the Sheraton. $17, $170. Same day. Left here complaining, 10-minute drive home, $170 check, never there again. And you see, on that day, I don't care about my resurrected, glorified body. I don't care about the throne room and Revelation 5, I don't care about the cowards being outside and the righteous being inside. I don't care about the tree of life restored in the book of Revelation. I care about feeding my kids and having gas to get to work for the next week. And once I settled in on this, I did begin to laugh. Seriously, WG, the same day, $17 and a check for 170 By the way, 
in all my dealings of ministry where someone feels led to bless you or whatever, let me tell you, $170 check is not the normal increment for anybody. Okay, it's like, here's 50 bucks, here's a 20, you know, here's a couple hundred. But 170 is very deliberate and absolute. So if the angel wrote it or someone was led to write it, Lord, you sure? 170? Yeah, I got a great sense of humor. Wait till this, you see how this lands on Joy Brand's lap in 1995. This is a kicker. This is going to make us all laugh in heaven. Watch, the angel's with me, we're going to laugh. Watch Joy Brand grumble for 10 minutes, driving home with $17, and now you like, put, put, put the check in the box. Who is this person? I don't know who the person is. They never sent a check again. I didn't know the name. I never saw it again. The check cleared. You see, all the grand and great promises that God has for us, there's a simplicity in it. Gas in the car, the food you need, the fear of the doctor visit, the fear of a surgery, a procedure being done, going forward with a loved one gone and no longer around. This time next year, you are going to have a baby. It's like a full circle. It just goes full circle. Are you following me here? It's like full circle. Nations and kings, but really, you know, I'll tell you what Sarah's interested in the age of 90. She's not concerned about the, I'm, I can't really say for sure, but thinking of my own life, I don't think she's so caught up on like the kings, believing God for kings and kings and nations. I'm just trying to believe God for the baby. Because I look in the mirror, and I'm looking older, and I don't even have a menstrual cycle anymore. So I'm just going to stick with baby number one before we get too far down the road of these promises to a nation, nations, and kings. And Abraham, I'm glad he showed you the dust of the earth and the stars of heaven. But right now, just the baby showing up after three decades would be really nice. Just going to the baby clothes store, going to just wherever, savers, and finding some baby clothes, like, that would be really cool. And what does God say? It's her world. Nations and kings is not her world. She won't see the nation or the nations or the kings. That's, that's, for, that's for another time. Her world is having a baby at 90. And the Lord comes to her and her home on this day and says to Abraham, Sarah's going to have the baby this time. I love it. This should encourage everyone else in the room right now because it tells me and affirms to me and affirms to all of us, God is in the details and he cares very much personally about your life. He's got galaxies and an endless universe out there, but he knows the hairs on your head and he knows your needs. And he knows if you've got $17 in tips and how to put a $170 check in the mailbox the same day, he knows. He knows what sign to give you to show you he's got you. He knows who to send, when to send him, what to send, how to send to affirm to you the baby is on the way. It's don't give up on the promises of God. For your life, the baby is on the way. What he's teaching you, how he's breaking you down, what he's working in your life. It's this grand universal panoramic, and it comes back to this. We just want to feed our kids this week. The baby's on the way. He made it personal. He reaffirmed the promise in his most basic form to her life. Not a nation, you, barren, having the baby at age 90. Have a great nine months. See you next year. See you next year. Thumbs up from the king. I love it. Be encouraged.
God knows your personal needs, and his promises are not just universal for his church, but they are very personal and applicable to your personal life and mine and what we're called to do. So trust in him, obey him, and go for it with him, whatever he might show you. Now, as we think about, is anything too hard for the Lord? It brings back to the baby. But we see in verse 11, the limits of us. Now, Abraham and Sarah were old. That's one thing to think you're old. It's another one the Holy Spirit records for all history, that you're old. Abraham and Sarah were old. Not just we're old, they're well advanced in age. It's a daily double for being old. It's like someone says, you look old. In fact, you look very old. It's like, wow, like, it's just the way it is. They're well advanced in age, and Sarah's past age of childbearing. It literally means she's past her menstrual cycle. She is not able to have a child physically. It's past that time. She's gone through menopause. It's just, it's not possible. Now, this child is not like the virgin birth, but it's still miraculous. And we need to believe God for the miracles, and we'll, we'll come back to that, because there's anything too hard for the Lord. But Sarah laughed within herself, and I think there's a bit of all of us in Sarah's comment within herself. After I've grown old, shall I have pleasure, my Lord being old also? I said this Tuesday, I think, and last week, perhaps, is that if you look in the mirror too long, you're not going to like what you see for a couple of reasons. You might really like what you see and be prideful, which means you're going to get crushed. Or you might look in the mirror and really be like, wow. And be totally disheartened, right? Way to go, Idaho. You know, like, if you look long enough, like I always say, just look in the mirror long enough to brush your teeth and comb your hair and get on with it or shave. Do whatever you got to do. Because... For me personally, when I look in the mirror, I'm more inclined to get discouraged because I think, how can God use me? And it's amazing that God has even used me. But he wants to use me and he wants to use you. But in believing God, that is anything too hard for the Lord, we do have to get past the limits of what we see in the mirror. We have to get past our self-imposed limits of our confidence, which probably goes before a fall and a haughty spirit before destruction, or our beaten down limits because we're just, well, it'll never happen. And oh, you sound like Eeyore and Winnie the Pooh, you know, well, you know, and it happens to everyone else, but never me. And why would God work through my life? And it can even be a false humility that way. For every promise that the Holy Spirit wants to affirm to your life and your circumstances, there are plenty of self-doubts you can pull from to have to worry that will war against those promises. What if and what about that and this and that and everything else? And you got to stare them down and they might come from within you. They might come from the devil and his fallen legions, but they come. After we lost our first child, Jesse, at full term, I didn't realize at the time, but time would show when our next four children would come in the next nine years, Hannah, Leah, Timothy and Luke, and it was so wonderful to have all four kids together this weekend. Timmy's back from Alaska after 100 days with Harley Tugs up there, and Hannah's in town for the Bradley wedding down in Vista today. They visited my mom before the wedding. Bradley's, of course, are our in-laws. Leah married to Bradley, so another Bradley's getting married, so they're there. Jennifer's down there tonight. And then Nikki Cook from Calvary 
Hannah's friend that graduated Vanguard with her and went to school with her at Calvary. She's doing her wedding celebration tomorrow at Marietta. So Hannah gets a double wedding this weekend. She gets the one today and tomorrow. So she flew in Thursday, goes home Monday. You parents with multiple kids, you'll understand this. And even with a few kids, you need to understand once they start leaving, it, it can just be a matter of a few days. We're all together, and it's short increments, especially when one lives in Florida and another's moving out of state again. It's just really special. I look at my kids, and they're laughing, having fun last night at Leah's. They say, oh, what joy. Praise the Lord. And I'm filming, and I just, there's just so much joy. They're all dancing, and the grandkids are dancing, and it was awesome. But, you know, there was a day when we lost our first child that I, I really wrestled to believe God for having a baby and hearing a baby cry. That was our baby. And when Hannah, excuse me, when Jennifer was pregnant with Hannah, and Jennifer was a high-risk pregnancy, and we were on Medi-Cal at the time, 80s. And because they couldn't really pinpoint what happened with Jesse, our first child, it was just every week of the pregnancy. See, that's why when I talk to any pregnant woman or, or dads of pregnant women, I know three trimesters. I know what's going on in the body, in the body of the baby at 29 weeks, 30 weeks, 31. I, I understand what's 36, you're pretty much ready. I know all that. Because I've walked through that by faith with four kids through each trimester, trusting the Lord. And all the kids were high-risk pregnancies. But when Jennifer was near the end of her third term, You've been listening to the Worship Generation Radio Ministry with Pastor Joey Brandt. If you would like more information about the ministry of Worship Generation, visit us online at www.worshipgeneration.com, where you can listen to the podcast of today's entire message. Worship Generation is located at 10350 Ellis Avenue in Fountain Valley, California. Our service times are Saturday evenings at 6 p.m. and Tuesdays at 7 p.m. And also follow Pastor Joey on Instagram under the tag name at Joey Brand. Thanks for listening and God bless. Not ashamed of the gospel. Not ashamed, not ashamed of the one I love. Not ashamed, not ashamed.